1: I'm Brett Baer. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Brian Kilmeade. And this is the Fox News
2: Rundown. Monday, June 26, 2023. I'm Mike Emanuel. With whistleblowers coming forward to shed light about Biden family overseas business dealings, some Republicans are starting to use the I word impeachment. So we got to continue to
3: do our work. But if the facts take us there, Constitutionally, We're required to move in that direction.
2: Congressman Jim Jordan is chairman of the powerful House Judiciary Committee.
4: I'm Chris Foster. Kennedy likes to talk and listen and gets to do more of both now on her five-day-a-week podcast, Kennedy Saves the World.
5: Psychedelics and fitness and, you know, individualism and property rights and, you know, breaking news and the Idaho murders you know i there are areas that i want to explore and you can do it in a little bit longer form
6: and i'm Tammy Bruce i've got the final word on the fox news rundown Russian president vladimir
2: putin is dealing with an insurrection the biggest defiance of his years in power house foreign affairs chairman michael mccall says putin is weakened by it he's been very strong for 3 decades He just seemed to be like the
7: strong man, right? Yeah.
2: Now he's viewed as weak. Back here in the U.S., Republican House Ways and Means Chairman Jason Smith says there are signs of corruption in the Biden administration. I can now confirm that we have credible whistleblower testimony alleging misconduct and government abuse that is resulting in preferential treatment for the president's son, Hunter Biden. Attorney General Merrick Garland has denied influencing the investigation of President Biden's son,
3: Hunter. Mr. Weiss, who was appointed by President Trump as the U.S. attorney in Delaware and assigned this matter during the previous administration, would be permitted to continue his investigation and to make a decision to prosecute any way in which he wanted to and in any district in which he wanted to. Mr. Weiss has since sent a letter to the House Judiciary Committee confirming that he had that authority.
2: Republicans like Louisiana Senator John Kennedy are calling for action to reassure the American people there is equal justice under the law and not preferential treatment.
3: The American people understandably have doubts and only only Chris Wray and the attorney general can't address those doubts, and you can't find
2: either one of them uh, with a search party. As Republicans note, people on the inside argue Hunter Biden and the Biden family have received special treatment.
3: It's not just one, it's two credible whistleblowers. Mr. Shapley is, you know, 14 years at the IRS, handled some of the biggest international finance cases, tax cases.
2: Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan is the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee.
3: So I think, A, you've got credible whistleblowers who've come forward. Mm-hmm. B, there's this issue with the attorney general saying that, oh, uh, David Weiss, the U.S. attorney, he, it, we, we're taking a hands-off approach. He's running the investigation. Well, really, because he asked for special counsel status. And if ever there was a case that warranted special counsel status, this would have been the case. And he was denied that, according to the whistleblower. So I think there, there's some questions that the attorney general has to answer. Uh, was there really a hands-off approach and then I think, uh, maybe most importantly is some of the facts that the whistleblower, the statements that he's brought forward, particularly about the assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf. He said like three things about her. One, she tipped off, uh, the Justice Department tipped off Hunter Biden's counsel when they were going to do things. That's different than how they handled, you know, President Trump as an example when they went on the raid in Mar-a-Lago. And then she specifically stopped the search warrant that they were going to go to the storage unit and search. And maybe most importantly, she said when, when they were doing interviews, you can't ask about Joe Biden. You can't. And she specifically said you can't ask about the quote reference to the, to the quote big guy. So I think all those things are, are pretty interesting facts and uh, statements that the, uh, that the whistleblowers have brought. And I think it frankly underscores why we need to talk to this Leslie Wolf. I think uh, the Judiciary Committee, will, we will pursue uh, talking to her as, as soon as we possibly can.
2: I'd like to dig in on one point: the uh, DC U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves and Attorney General Merrick Garland. The allegations that they prevented an investigation from taking place, despite Garland rejecting these claims. Do you believe they're accurate? What should be done if this information turns out to be true?
3: Well, we got you. Got conflicting testimony. You got we got what Merrick Garland said. You got what the whistleblower said. The whistleblower mm-hmm. said David Weiss said he sought special counsel status and he was denied. And as a result of that, it, it, it made it so that he couldn't bring any type of action in, in the District of Columbia or the Central District of California. He got pushed back from the Justice Department in those two areas, and so had, to, had the case had to only go in, in Delaware. Um, that's significant, and we need to find out what's going on here because you got two different people saying two different things. And then, of course, as I said, I think we have to look at the assistant U.S. attorney. There's a number of statements that the whistleblowers make about Leslie Wolf and what, what she did and how she pushed back on what they wanted to do in their investigation. And understand, they're saying this was slow walk, and also they said it just completely treated different. This case was completely different than any other case they've handled, which I think underscores that nothing has changed at the Justice Department. Because if the one thing we learned last week is John Durham told us what they did uh, seven years ago in Crossfire Hurricane, and now we see the same kind of stuff is going on according to these two whistleblowers.
2: Based on the corruption allegations levied toward President Biden, you hear more and more Republicans starting to use the I-word, impeachment, including Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Your thoughts on that?
3: If the facts take us there, then that is certainly on the table, most certainly on the table. But we've got to do the work. Mr. Comer's got an investigation. We're looking at the role that the FBI and DOJ and, and a number of things there. So we've got to continue to do our work. But if the facts take us there, constitutionally we're required to move in that direction but it's got to be driven by the facts and by the evidence and we'll continue to do our constitutional duty which is the duty of oversight and um, if we get there we get there but I I think right now it's focus on doing the investigations continue to do our work
2: as I travel the country speaking with conservative people who happen to you know weigh in on politics want to talk about politics Um, They talk about the indictment of former President Trump, and then they look at the handling of these Biden matters, and they feel like there's two different tiers of justice. Your thoughts on that?
3: Well, they feel like there's two different tiers of justice because there is. You know, the polling says 60 percent of the country thinks there's a double standard. They think that because there is. And it doesn't take a genius to see it. Uh, Durham pointed that out with how they handled the crossfire, how they were out to get President Trump. And then I don't think it's any accident. It just happened in one week. Durham comes and gives his report and confirms everything we suspected, which was they never should have done this investigation. They had credible intelligence that said it all came from the Clinton campaign. Comey didn't even share that memorandum that talked about that credible intelligence, didn't even share with the agents working the case. And now you get to this IRS whistleblowers coming forward and saying the same kind of thing is going on. So of course they think that. They think that because it's true. And it's why we have to use the appropriations process, this Congress, to limit how American tax dollars are spent at the Justice Department and all the other agencies, frankly, IRS, DHS, everything else. And then we also have to, have to, fundamentally change the way FISA works. Uh, the FISA 702 program is up for reauthorization at the end of this calendar year. There is no way the House Republicans are going to let that thing be reauthorized in its current form.
2: What more can be done to restore Americans' faith in the FBI and the justice system?
3: Well, you don't build them a new headquarters. You get new leadership at some point. I don't think that happens until there's a, a new president, a Republican president. Um, and then you limit how American money can be spent there on, on certain programs, certain aspects, and you fundamentally, fundamentally change FISA. I would say that the number one priority of House Republicans on the Judiciary Committee this year is to not allow that bill to be that that law to be reauthorized in its current form and to make dramatic changes to it and that's what we're focused on doing. I think that's a, that's a huge step in the direction of restoring some credibility and uh, this the idea that it's equal treatment under the law like it's supposed to be in our country, uh, restoring all that to the FBI and the Justice Department.
2: Another issue that you and top House Republicans have been looking into is the origins of COVID-19. Uh, The House COVID Select Subcommittee recently issued a subpoena to access private messages between academic authors who allegedly downplayed the COVID lab leak theory in their writings. Do you think there will be meaningful findings that come from this investigation?
3: I do. I think it'll confirm, again, what we already all sort of know. January 31st, Dr. Christian Anderson, one of these key players that, that, you know, his documents are going to be subpoenaed with this secret, uh, this private communication uh, channel they were using. Uh, Dr. Christian Anderson says, clear back on January 31st, 2020, virus looks engineered. virus is not consistent with evolutionary theory. That is a fancy way of saying this thing came from a lab. And then four days later, he changes his tune. What happened in the interim? Lots of conversations, a, a conference call that Dr. Fauci organizes with Dr. Anderson and other of these uh, uh, virologists who had received tax money from the American people. They get on the call, they get their story straight, and they change it. I think what we'll find in these these communications is they were talking about how they were going to get their story straight because it literally changed in four days' time. There was another one, Dr. Gary, who said, I don't know how this happens in, in nature, but it'd be easy to do in a lab. And then four days later, he suddenly said, oh, it ha- if you're crazy if you think it came from a lab. Well, all the evidence suggests that it came from a lab. Everyone with common sense understands it came from a lab. And these guys were telling us a different story after initially saying that's where it likely came from. So I do think we'll find that, you know, look, they they used our tax dollars, sent it to a lab in China that wasn't up to code, that was doing gain-of-function research, and that's where this thing came from. I think that is what happened. And I think these uh, messages will probably confirm that.
2: Do you get a sense that these top public health officials were just like, "Uh uh-oh, Something went wrong, you know, and basically tried to fix it with their messaging after the fact.
3: I think it was more than, uh oh, I think it was old sugar. You know, something is we got to cover our backside. I think it was that intense. Because Fauci's been handing out our money. It didn't go through. Here's the other thing. He handed American tax dollars, went to a lab in China that wasn't up to code, that was doing gain-of-function research, and the approval of sending that money didn't go through the normal process, the proper process, this P3 process that you're supposed to have a review, this advisory group. It didn't do that. It was just Fauci... And his fiefdom, he was okay in it. And so when something goes wrong, it's like, oh my goodness, we have got to fix this story. And they orchestrate this writing of this, uh, of the paper. They then, he then at, a, at the White House press briefing cites the paper that he had a hand in initiating and, and, and prompting to get written. I mean, it's so bad in my judgment. Uh, and again, I don't know, but I think these communications will probably confirm, uh, everything we're talking about.
2: I'm curious your assessment of how the new Republican-led Congress is doing with a very slim majority and, you know, getting things across the finish line, and and how are things going overall?
3: I think uh, Speaker McCarthy is doing a good job. You know, we said we would pass legislation that would get American energy back to where it needs to be. We've passed that in the House, and it won't take it up, unfortunately, but we passed it. We said we'd pass legislation to get rid of these 87,000 IRS agents. We passed that. We said we'd pass legislation that would empower parents and parental bill of rights when it comes to their their son and daughter's education and 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 we did that and we said we would pass the immigration reform and border security legislation we passed the best and strongest immigration enforcement legislation border security legislation in history we passed that now again the senate unfortunately not taking it up Um, but i i do think we're doing exactly what we told the voters we were going to do and maybe most importantly we're doing the vigorous oversight that is warranted when you hear about the things we're hearing from whistleblowers both in the fbi in DHS, in the IRS coming forward. So um, I think uh, our team with a slim majority, as you say, Mike, I think we're doing a good job.
2: You're an experienced lawmaker. When some of your newer colleagues uh, get frustrated by Washington and the way things work uh, and the fact that Democrats lead the Senate, do you basically tell them, like, hang in there? We've got to, you know, Republicans have got to do better in the next election and, and maybe things will be different?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, look, I share the frustration. The American people are frustrated, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, you know, sixty percent of them think there's a double standard, and they think that because there is. So, uh, we all get the frustration. But the way our, our great system works, it's you know, what was Churchill's line? It's uh, our our former government's uh, the, the worst, but it's better than all the others, right? Uh, it, it sometimes is slow, and that's how the founders designed it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think in in divided government, uh, you just got to keep pushing, making the case. And then the way we decide things is on Election Day. And I think, you know, what are we now, 17 months from the next election? Um, And I do feel like it's going to go well for Republicans when you look at just how bad Joe Biden and his administration has been and, and what it's meant for families across our country.
2: He's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan of Ohio. Congressman, thanks so much for your time. Have a great week.
3: You bet, Mike. You too. Take care.
6: This is Tammy Bruce with your Fox News commentary coming up.
4: Kennedy's nightly Fox business show was on for eight years, until a few weeks ago. She's still around, appearing on a bunch of Fox shows and hosting a now five-day-a-week podcast. She got famous on MTV in the mid-'90s. She was into politics then, too, speaking at the Republican National Convention Young Voters Session in 1996.
5: Personal freedom, individual responsibility, a free market economy. Go out and tell the young people, these are the things we have to offer, and we want you to be a part of the Republican Party.
4: After MTV, there was more radio, game shows, and other TV landing at Fox Business in 2012, still all this time going by the one name.
5: It's my middle name, and I didn't start using it until my sophomore year in high school.
4: Lisa Kennedy Montgomery's podcast is called Kennedy Saves the World.
5: Because I was youth legislature partners with uh, a young man who had a very impressive name mm-hmm. already, and then he added his middle name to his impressive name on our youth legislature bill. Okay. And uh, so <laughs> I added my middle name because I wanted to sound equally as impressive, and then I just I used it on every document and every test and every paper and assignment in high school from okay. that day forward. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to california and started working at Mm k-rock i dropped the lisa because kennedy sounded like a much more like rock and roll name like lisa didn't sound very (laughs) alternative and then when i got on air i needed an on-air name and so they called me the virgin kennedy okay (laughs) oh
4: Uh, OK, podcast five days a week now. Kennedy saves the world. A lot of responsibility. Correct. Five times as much responsibility. Was it one day or two days a week before?
5: It started as two and then it went to three because okay. demand was so high. Mm-hmm. And on Tuesdays, people gather in front of the Fox News building mm-hmm. uh, it, not to protest. They, they really just want more of the podcast. So then we went to three days a week to try and pacify them. And now we have to go to five. And, and right. you know, they are hungry like the wolf and and nothing will ever satisfy their their carnal need for more of this podcast yeah. but i really do what i can
4: 5 days a week uh, more, uh, comes out when it comes out or in the morning or what
5: 7 p.m. The... Okay. eastern time oh. i believe 4 p.m. in the west
4: oh so it comes out that so you do it and it comes out that day evening afternoon.
5: it depends on the day because some people are really hard to get mm-hmm. you know we have cave dwellers hermits weirdos <laughs> misfits sycophants supplicants and all of them uh, like to be recorded at different times, sure. And we we will indulge that. We'll work around people's schedules. I say we meaning me. <laughs> it's really just the royal we because yeah. it's a one woman show. Just kidding. There's a there's a team of scrubbed and eager individuals who help get this on the air.
4: Yeah, who still have some enthusiasm for the mm-hmm. business. And that's right. Do
5: you have... We'll beat it out of them by yeah. November. Of course. I mean, they're going to go home Thanksgiving in tears.
4: There's a lot of churn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like butter. Um. Just uh, regular guests, in-house guests, favorite guests?
5: Um, all of the above. and And that's the nice thing about it. And I love having a podcast that has the flexibility because, like a lot of other people, I have varying interests. And it's so nice to have curiosity that can be met with experts or the equally curious. And, you know, in terms of things like psychedelics and fitness and you know individualism and property rights and you know breaking news and the Idaho murders you know i there are areas that i want to explore and you can do it in a little bit longer form because obviously on tv you're really tethered to these 5 to 7 minute yeah. segments and and sometimes they're even shorter the later you go in a show so to be able to sit down with someone and have a nice long tumbling pass and allow them to stick the landing is very satisfying
4: it's great it's good for the guests too who are used to if if people who are regularly on tv or media they usually get their three to five minutes and they get to shove in little sound bites
5: and it's hard for an expert because it's very difficult if you don't spend a lot of time broadcasting to try and figure out what to unpack because Mm -hmm. you know your natural instinct is to explain things but the problem is once you've explained something without really getting to the heart of what people are watching for your time is done
4: you have some regular segments What's Party Swap?
5: Party Swap is uh, something we came up with on my Fox business show. (laughs) Uh, Where you have a conservative and a liberal and they have to argue the other point of view.
4: Party Swap.
5: Yes. Got it. It is an age old tool that is much more fun to watch when the people, you know, like when Jessica Tarlov is... Explaining why Hunter Biden is the devil—it's really fun.
4: That sounds really fun. Um, what do you do if then Jesse Waters has to explain why Hunter Biden's awesome?
5: You just sit back and, and eat the popped corn because <laughs> it's great. Uh, or you know, having him explain why Hillary Clinton is just—you know—she should be president right. still in her fourth term,
4: right. or she is president. Mm-hmm. Probably is. Kennedy's court, I assume you adjudicate uh, various disagreements.
5: Yes, that's where Mike Chase, who is the official attorney of the show, uh, he is. I I read like a a strange case where, you know, someone has stolen a Christmas tree and made love to it and gotten arrested. And and he will explain the legal technicalities for why that person should not be convicted. And then you have two people who decide. Yeah. (laughs) Guilt or innocence.
4: Happy hour. No idea. Couldn't guess.
5: Happy hour is, so I love two things, baking and making cocktails. And to me, they're very similar arts. Just finding weird things that traditionally don't go together and putting them together in a beverage and then shaking that beverage and straining it into maybe a small plastic rainbow colored chalk glass mm-hmm. and allowing panelists to enjoy that. Okay. What's and your- I won't say whether or not there's alcohol in it because there might not be.
4: I think it's. Uh, okay. But I mean, there can be, it's,
5: I mean, historically, a, yes, we can break historical norms. Yeah.
4: It's just a podcast. There's no rules. You can, absolutely right. You could swear if you wanted to. Do you have like sort of, I mean, you're, I guess if you had to say anything, you'd say you're a libertarian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was there like a journey there? Did you, did you, were you like a young Republican, a young Democrat? Do you have like a, a journey to where you think you are now, whatever you think of yourself politically?
5: Yes, but it's been a pretty consistent journey. So that's why losing friends because of where I work or. Because of Donald Trump is very odd to me because the people that are no longer in my life have always known me either as a conservative or a libertarian. My, my views really haven't changed that much. So I started out as like a high school Republican and got to see Dan Quayle when I was a senior in high school and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I got, you know, out of high school and started reading a little bit more and talking more with people and we we got into the Clinton era... I had people in my life who were like, hey, whoa, slow down. You're not a Republican. You're a libertarian. And I didn't know what that phrase meant. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that clicks. I get it. And then when I left MTV and got into talk radio, then I started exploring what libertarianism was more and more. And I am an ideological libertarian, as are many people, even if they don't know it or acknowledge it. But I am an unaffiliated voter.
4: Not to, I don't want to get hot button, but just as an example that came up in a conversation I was having earlier today, the issue of transgender kids and what and, and the, the care they, they are or aren't allowed to receive, mm-hmm. um, it's odd to my mind that that's become this conservative cause celeb because aren't you supposed to be small government and let – Things lie is that a, a thing where maybe a lot of traditional. I I, and, and, I believe and in, in small split.
5: government for adult individuals absolutely, mm-hmm. and you can do whatever you want to your body. And I've told my daughters like you can get all the questionable tattoos you want mm-hmm. after you're 18. I mean, it's it's a whole new world, and I, I look at some of the people who have detransitioned, and it breaks your heart. Does it mean that you know there are kids who don't suffer from gender dysphoria? No, they they absolutely do. But it's not, you know, this massive section of adolescence. And also, if you question whether or not an 11-year-old should have a mastectomy, you're not transphobic. And and there's there's a big difference. But also, I want to be very, very careful not to use questioning whether or not there should be these surgeries and treatments for kids and questioning whether or not there should be different categories in sports uh, to maintain female athletic integrity. Don't use that as a reason to be anti-pride and homophobic. And that is the problem that I'm seeing now is like we're getting into this old school homophobia, which as a person who uh, I have a lot of gay people in my life, it pains me to see that. And I don't want to see other people use, you know, These sort of rational questions and conversations that we should be having as a means of othering people who have, you know, lived in secret for a long time.
4: Yeah, I meant I just bring that up as a a way of asking about topics that you mentioned you may have lost some friends because of working at Fox. Or what are some things that you disagree with about all, some of your Fox colleagues? Like things that, that may, maybe they would be surprised that you work here and and believe.
5: I'm not a libertarian to impress anybody. Like I really don't care. I was I was on a plane with a woman and she was in her 70s. She's an academic, also Australian, and she was very chatty and we were having a lovely time. And then she asked me where I work and I said Fox News and she lost her mind and she got so mad she actually asked for another seat. And then, so she kept going and she asked me about guns and told me that I was ruining the world. I said, no, I'm actually saving the world. Thank you. <laughs> and Monday to Friday, at, 7, 7 p.m., five days a week. You can download the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Fox News podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. you'll find it there. But she asked me about guns and I said, I'm very pro-Second Amendment. She goes, it's not the Second Amendment. You're killing children. I said, well, actually, no. If you look at the cities that have the most gun prohibition, they have... The highest gun homicide rates. And she said, that's propaganda. And she got so mad and she was like talking at me. And then she goes, this conversation is over. And I said, my dear, might I remind you, you started this conversation and you are very much allowed to ask me with curiosity why I believe what I believe. You may not ask me, then lecture me, then shut down the conversation. I said, you are the problem if that's what you're doing. And I told her, If you're going to ask people these things, then soften your heart and listen, because you are the reason this country is divided. It's not me. I was perfectly fine sitting here talking about how long the flight is from Sydney to Perth.
4: If you run into Kennedy on an airplane, a restaurant, be chill. Maybe you'll get a selfie.
5: Yeah. And it's it's fine to be curious. And it's also okay to disagree. But to freak out and condemn and, you know, act like you have been aggrieved, it's unacceptable.
4: And I assume that that's part of your agenda and part of your enjoyment of doing the podcast.
5: Yeah, it's like getting rad, but also being able to have conversations with people who don't necessarily agree.
4: More of this stuff on uh, Kennedy Saves the World podcast, uh, like you said, wherever you get your podcast. Kennedy, thanks for uh, coming on the rundown.
5: Falsta, Thank you.
7: Here's a look at the week ahead. Monday, President Biden kicks off the second round of his administration's Investing in America tour to highlight infrastructure spending. Over the next three weeks, the President, Vice President Kamala Harris, First Lady Jill Biden, and Cabinet members will travel the country highlighting manufacturing, clean energy, infrastructure, and jobs. Tuesday is the first launch window for Virgin Galactic's first commercial space flight. Three crew members from the Italian Air Force are scheduled for the inaugural flight, which the company hopes to become monthly space tours, going at a rate of about $450,000 per person. Wednesday, the sex offense trial of Kevin Spacey set to begin in London. He's facing 12 charges of offenses against four men prosecutors say took place between 2001 and 2013. Spacey denies any wrongdoing. Friday, former President Trump heads to Pickens, South Carolina, for a campaign event coinciding with the town's Independence Day celebration. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Denison, Fox News.
1: Precise, personal powerful it's america's weather team in the palm of your hands get fox weather updates throughout your busy day every day subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts rate and review the fox news rundown on apple podcasts or wherever you listen it's time for your fox news
7: commentary Tammy
1: bruce what's on your mind
6: the latest gobsmacker from the left comes from the ACLU, illustrating just how grotesque the progressive agenda has become and how out of touch with normal human beings they really are. Responding to the execution of rapist and murderer Dwayne Owen, the formerly respected civil rights organization tweeted that the state of Florida, where Owen had committed his crimes and had been imprisoned on death row, had caused her enormous suffering because the state refused to provide him with gender affirming care. My generation has watched the ACLU's chronic slouch into slow-walking their debasement to the woke left. Did they really think using the transgender issue to fuel a supportive and sympathetic statement about a child murderer and rapist would somehow turn us against the death penalty? They wrote, in part, in legal papers she drafted, Owen wrote that she should be accorded the essence of human dignity and be allowed to become who she was meant to be, before her death, no one should be killed by the state. The time to end the racist, unfair and cruel death penalty is now, end quote. Here's a news flash for the ACLU. Owen was white. And as state psychiatrists reported, Owen was not gender dysphoric, but a sexual sadist. For the record, in 1984, Owen attacked Karen Slattery, a 14-year-old girl, while she was babysitting two small children. While those children slept, he stabbed her 18 times. After her death, he then raped her corpse. A few months later, he broke into 38-year-old Georgiana Warden's home and attacked her with a hammer, raped her, and then bludgeoned her to death. One of her children found her body the next morning. Losing a mother to murder is horrible enough. But what that child has had to live with after finding the body is unimaginable. Christina Pushaw, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' rapid response director, tweeted this in response to the ACLU's loathsome cheerleading for Owen and his exploitation of the transgender issue. Quote: He wanted to be housed in a women's prison. Presumably because as a violent rapist, he wanted to be around more potential victims in a captive space. Good thing we don't do that in Florida. Indeed. A recent Gallup survey found a significant jump increase in American support for the death penalty. In 2020, the polling firm found approval for the death penalty was at a record low of 54 percent. In 2022, that had moved up to 55 percent. By 2023, the approval of the death penalty had risen to 60 percent. Courtesy of a progressive society where the violent are coddled and encouraged by defunding and demoralizing the police, pro crime democratic policies, and progressive district attorneys, Americans are getting a glimpse of what human beings are capable of when justice itself is abandoned. Our response is not to accept that insanity is normal, but to demand a return to law, order, and justice, including the death penalty. This is Tammy Bruce.